I love that the Christmas season is a season of hope. Christmas slows us down anyway, even though it's hustle and bustle, it slows us down to be thankful for what we have. But this year, it's even more so. And that's what my encouragement is, is that you'd find the peace and hope of the season. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. During this Christmas season, we have the privilege of hearing from guests who make it their mission to bring gifts of joy and service to people all year long, one on a national platform, and another, a couple who make a difference in their own community. We welcome platinum-selling worship artist Chris Tomlin and mission-minded retired couple Tom and Pan Banward to the show this week. Chris Tomlin is a platinum-selling, multiple Grammy and Dove Award-winning worship artist whose music has been sung in churches all over the world. Playing to sold-out venues filled with people who are hungry to know God through worship, Chris felt the calling to be used by God at a very early age, writing his first worship song at the age of 14. In addition to his passion for worship music, Chris has a special place in his heart for the Christmas season and for many years has done a highly popular Christmas worship tour. With 2020 bringing a halt to live performances, Chris decided to bring his program to people right in their homes with a special virtual Christmas concert. Chris reflects on why Christmas hymns are so meaningful to him and why this time of year holds so many wonderful memories for he and his family. Chris also has a new reason to love Christmas, the birth of a brand new baby in December. I'm Chris Tomlin and I'm a songwriter for many, many years. And for me, it's just been about writing songs to help give people a voice to worship God and church. And it's been amazing to see how these songs have taken me all over the world. Never would have dreamed it. I had two brothers, so it's three boys, and we were just so fired up about Christmas every every year. And we would, as little boys, we would sleep in the same bed on Christmas Eve, and we would just be like, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Like, you know, we were just thinking, this is going to be the greatest night. Probably the funniest, the the best story that's ever happened in, in my life was this Christmas, going to see Christmas lights. One year, we'd go to my grandmother's. And after we'd go, so we'd go to my mom's side and we'd go to my dad's side. And on my dad's side on Christmas, we'd go by this one house that had lights. That kind of tells you where I grew up, one house. And, you know, now you got the big light displays. Every Everybody has a big light display. It, when I was growing up at this, where I was in East Texas, this one house, they did it up. And you would just, after on, on Christmas night, you would go and go look at the, what they did. And it grew every year. And it was, at, at you know, after years, it had stuff that had nothing to do with Christmas. It had like Star Wars displays over here. It would have like, but for kids, you're thinking, this is the greatest thing ever. We would get fired up about this house. This one year we're going, we're like, Dad, let's go see the house. He's like, all right, boys, let's get in the car, let's go see the house. We're headed to go see the house. And uh, we're in a Chevy Caprice Classic. I don't know if you remember the Chevy Caprice Classic. Some of your listeners will. And it, the police car kind of looking car. And it's brown Chevy Caprice Classic. Three boys in the back. And this year, there's a long line of cars. Everybody has figured out where the house is. And my dad is fr- gets frustrated. He doesn't want to wait in line. It's like, what? Well, this is a, like an hour's worth of cars just to go see one house. And so he's like, this is not making sense. He goes, but look at it now. I got cars behind me, got cars in front of me. I can't get out of the line. We're gonna, I was like, dad, it's going to be cool. Let's just, like, we can't wait to see the house. Let's just be patient. He's like, all right, boys. Well, as we get closer, he sees this guy in the front yard of the house holding a bucket. The guy's holding a bucket. And as every car comes in, he puts the bucket in the window and pulls it out. This sends my dad into complete fury. He's like, boys, he gives us a speech. He's like, boys, this is what's wrong with America. This is what's wrong with Christmas. It's all about greed. 
greed, greed. They line us up all these years for free and then they get us and they, and they you know, they got us now and I can't get out of this line. Now they want money. I, this is what I don't like about all this. It's all about money. And, and, and he's giving, giving that dad speech, right? And we're just like, dad, chill out. We just want to give him a dollar. We just want to see, this is a lot of lights. We just want to see the lights. We're getting close. We're about two cars left. And dad says, all right, boys, I got an idea. Yes, sir. He's like, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna roll the window down when he gets close. He said, when that guy puts the bucket in the car, I'm rolling it up on his arm, taking all the money, and we're gone. We're leaving. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Me and my brothers, we get in the floorboard of our car. We're like, we're going to jail on Christmas. So we get in the floorboard, and we're just down. And sure enough, um, we get up there. Dad rolls the window down. We can hear him roll the window down. This, This man walks up, puts the bucket in the car and the bucket is filled with candy canes. And he starts throwing candy canes on the car, looking at my dad going, Merry Christmas, sir. I cannot believe you waiting this such a long line just to see my lights. Oh, look at those precious boys back there. Here's candy canes. He's just throwing candy canes on us. It's raining candy canes. You can imagine my dad is sinking in his seat, just sinking. The guy's looking at him, just keeps saying, Sir, I hope you have the best Christmas night. Merry Christmas. You know, God bless you guys. <laughs> Me and my brothers are in the floorboard not knowing what's going on. Just candy canes are falling off top of our heads. We're just like, this is a Christmas miracle. What is happening? And we did. We were in the floorboard. Dad takes off. We didn't even see the house. We never even saw it. We were just, because we were down the floorboard. We, by the time we got back up, we're gone. It's like, Dad, what just happened? And he just didn't say a word. He's so embarrassed. He's just, he is. He, he's so mad because he's embarrassed. He's not saying a word. I don't know if you're a fan of anything like this, but it's like, you know, these unspoken rules, you don't speak at this moment. You just kind of be quiet. And like that makes it worse because it's like, you know, when you have to laugh in church, you know, and like it makes it worse. And so we're just back there just like busting those scenes, eyes watering, trying not to laugh. Mama, I look over my mom. She's got this face of like, thank you, Lord. This greatest thing ever happened in our marriage. Greatest day of my life. You know, kind of thing. She's loving this, that, that, that's happened to dad. He was so mad, and it was just, we got home, dad didn't say a word, went back to his room, he never spoke of it. Um, we just kind of, just had the best time with mom. That's one of my favorite, I'll never forget, me and my brothers, we still laugh all the time about that. We'll tell dad all the time, hey dad, we should probably go by the house, you know, and give the guy some money, you never know, these might be hard times. He just like, he just, he, he just shakes his head. So Christmas lights has always been fun for us. We still do it with, with my girls. I think we're going tonight to go look, to go find some lights to go look at. <laughs> you know, every year for 10 years, I've done a Christmas tour. And that's what I look forward to more than anything. And I mean that when I'm touring, because I love the Christmas season. I love the songs. I love creating. So we get to create something that I don't get to create on the other tours. People just come back and we go to the same cities every year because people are like, I want to do that every year. And so fun. Well, this year, obviously, it's not happening with because uh, you can't gather, and it's the you know, first year, and I'm so bummed. And I thought, what can we do? How can we bring this to everybody's home? And so we're doing it in conjunction with Caleb, who's an incredible partner, helping us do this. I could never do it without them. This is, it takes a great partner to do what we've just undertaken. There's going to be all kinds of different behind-the-scenes stories. I tell that story around a campfire about my dad. Several artists that are that are with me that are, I think people are going to love and. But we try to keep the this night what my tour is about. And that's just, it's called Christmas Songs of Worship for a reason, because it really is at the end of the day about one thing. And that's about worshiping God and being grateful for Jesus and, and the love and the peace and hope that he gives during the season. And so I think people are going to feel that. So this is going to be a special, special night. 
I love all the different Christmas songs, but there's there's something special about the ones, these ones that are the songs of worship, what Christmas is really about. And I think about the carols and I think about the great songs of Come All You Faithful, the heart the angels sing, these songs that we think are just, we've sung them so many times, they become these, quote, Christmas carols. But, you know, when you think about those songs, the person who wrote that didn't think, I'm writing a Christmas carol. He said, I'm just writing a song of worship for my church, for my congregation. And it's been a couple hundred years now. These songs have lasted. There's a reason. I think they're some of the greatest songs ever written. And so when I come to try to write songs, I'm always thinking that I want to write songs that bring worship to God, that the reason that we have Christmas. Since for the last decade, I've been writing songs for Christmas season. It's my favorite songs to write. It's the biggest challenge, but I love writing these songs. I'll never match Oh Come All You Faithful or Oh Holy Night or anything like that, but I'm always shooting for that. I'm always like, I want to write something that helps people sing and worship God, and that's always been about approach. My records are called, they have a title, and they always say Christmas Songs of Worship because I really want to put that in mind. This is not Christmas Carol Land. We just sing the songs and don't even think about what we're saying. These songs are some of the greatest songs. When I'm talking about Oh, oh Holy Night, Hark the Holy Angels Sing, whatever. The great standards. These are some of the greatest worship songs ever written. When we sing Silent Night, it's a song of worship to God and, and those kind of things. So I'm looking at it in that lens. And this year, as I was writing songs, I had a little different moment. I said that when I sat on the piano because I was thinking about my own baby coming this Christmas, having a Christmas baby and the surprise of it. I remember when Lauren told me that we were having a baby. She gave me a present and she wrapped a present and I was unwrapping it. And I think it was in March. And, um, I didn't know what this was. It's like, why did you give me a present in March? I don't, it's not my birthday or anything. And it was a pregnancy test when I opened it and I, I it was not computing. It was, I could not, I just, I was like, what is this? I'm looking at her. I'm like, what, what, what's, I don't even know what this is. She's just smiling, shaking her head. I'm like, and I was like, are you telling me that we're having a baby? And she's like, yes. And the room started spinning. I was holding on to the kitchen counter everything was spinning. I was like, oh my gosh, I was not ready for that. It was a surprise, surprises. We thought that part of our life was over. We'd given everything away, the strollers, all that thing. And here we are. So it was like this, this processing. And as I was processing it, and I was started thinking about these songs, what a surprise this baby was. And I started thinking about the surprise of Christmas, having a Christmas baby, which is due any day now, but Jesus being the Christmas baby. And the surprise of Jesus. I mean, can you imagine what Mary must have felt when the angels came to Joseph and to Mary in the dream and said, by the way, you're about to have a baby and it's going to be the son of God. You were talking about surprise. You were talking about, you were talking about room spinning. Like, what? And what they, what they must have been going through and like, oh my goodness. And, uh, and just what the miracle of Jesus to the world, the miracle, the gift of God from heaven and what that would, how that would change everything. And so I sat down and I was, uh, I thought, here's a, here's a moment to write a song that's really personal to me about my Christmas baby coming, but also has a parallel of Jesus coming at Christmas as well. And so when I wrote these lyrics, I got the news today. I heard that you were coming. It took my breath away and the tears filled up my eyes. I got the news today. I heard that you were coming. It took my breath away and the tears filled up my eyes. Well, everybody knows when you have a baby, it changes everything about the way you live and all your priorities and 
When you think about Jesus and how he would change everything. And so I wrote this as a way of every line, thinking about my baby and thinking about Jesus coming. And so the chorus is just a baby born a miracle of love, uh, the gift of heaven. You know, I thought I heard angels singing hallelujah, a baby born, a baby born a miracle of love. And babies are miracles. And obviously Jesus is the greatest miracle that's ever happened to the world. And you never know what God's going to do. You never know, you know, in your life. I wasn't looking for it, wasn't planning for it, wasn't trying. But, you know, from a young kid, I remember praying a prayer, God, I want to be available, whatever you want me to do for the rest of my life. I was an eighth grader when I prayed that. I said, God, I knelt under this tree and I said, whatever you want to do, I'm just available and I want to be yours, basically. I didn't even know what to say to God, honestly. I just said, I know you're speaking to me and I want to follow you wherever you lead me. So in a time of chaos, in a season of chaos, a season of, of a lot of fear, right into that season, I love that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus in the sense of his peace and his hope to the world. That is, that you would know the peace of God in, right in the middle of this, the fear and the chaos, that you would know the hope of God, that this is our hope, that God did not leave us on our own. He did not leave us to just figure this thing out, but made a way through Jesus to know it, to have a relationship with him and that you could lean into that and say, God, here's me fully. Here's my anxious thoughts. Here's my, what I'm feeling, the worries, the fears, and that you would know a peace. The Bible says a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that is not known by this world, a peace that you cannot find by listening to the news, <laughs> a peace that you cannot find anywhere else, but through a relationship with Jesus. So this is a passage from Jesus Always on December 24th, this Christmas Eve, 2020. Prepare your heart for the celebration of my birth. Listen to the voice of John the Baptist. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Christmas is the time to exult in my miraculous incarnation. When the word became flesh and dwelt among you, I identified with mankind to the ultimate extent, becoming a man and taking up residence in your world. Don't let the familiarity of this astonishing miracle dull its effect on you. Recognize that I am the gift above all gifts and rejoice in me. Clear out clutter and open up your heart by pondering the wonders of my entrance into human history. View these events from the perspective of the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks at night. They witnessed first one angel and then a multitude of them lighting up the sky, proclaiming glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is well pleased. Gaze at the glory of my birth, just as the shepherds did, and respond with childlike wonder. After we spoke with Chris, just a few days later, their family welcomed their third daughter to the world, Elle Grace. To experience a night of Christmas worship with Chris Tomlin, please go to chrystomlin.com to find out how to get a 30-day unlimited access pass to this special concert and extra bonus content. You can also get Chris's new record, Miracle of Love, Christmas Songs of Worship, wherever you buy music. Stay tuned to hear from Tom and Pam Banward after this brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. 
celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Merry Christmas from Sarah Young and all of us who work with Jesus Calling and the Jesus Calling Podcast. We know the holiday season can be stressful, but we pray that you're able to carve out some quiet moments to reflect on the amazing gift of love that God gave us at Christmas, Jesus. We hope you're seeing glimmers of God's glory even through difficult times and finding the joy of knowing Jesus in a deeper way this year. From Sarah and the whole team, we wish you many blessings this Christmas. Tom and Pam Bamwart are a retired couple living in Florida. When the COVID-19 pandemic began, they wondered how they could use the time they had to help those who are most affected by the crisis while keeping themselves safe. Determined to make a difference, Tom and Pam got involved with food drives, playing praise music from their lawn in their neighborhood, and facilitated weekly hospital bagel deliveries, all while keeping safety a priority. Seeing the connections their efforts were creating, the Banworts then turned their efforts to a new endeavor, active prayer outside hospitals. Donning masks, gloves, and utilizing social distancing practices, the Banworts set up lawn chairs outside the hospital twice a week, going to God in prayer, requesting blessings over doctors, nurses, patients, families, and hospital staff. Together, they share how they've been able to build meaningful relationships and make a difference in the lives of people they might not even know in a time when personal connections are challenging. Well, my name is Pam Banwart, and um, I am a follower of Christ First. I am the wife of Tom for 35 years and a few months. Um, I'm the mother of three uh, adult sons. We have four little grandchildren, and in addition to all of that, I am a retired special needs teacher. I taught for 36 years and um, retired in 2014. I'm Tom Banwork. I've been on disability for over 20 years. I got a spine and column that's collapsing. They told me many years ago that I wouldn't walk and I'd be in a wheelchair and I'd beat that to this point. You know, each day is, is a journey for us because, you know, with the disability and stuff, it's always the question of what I can and can't do. At 30 years old, I met Tom and we met on a bowling league. So uh, that's how we met. Um, we raised our sons and uh, retired to Florida from Illinois in 2014. When I was 11 years old, I remember the exact day of praying and, and 
we're our family was real involved with the church and uh, Presbyterian church and. I remember praying and asking God what he wanted me to do. And, and I had this overwhelming feeling that he wanted me to be a minister. And so that's what I decided. Well, I, I got into living life and <laughs> I refer to it at this point as my riotous living years. But faith was always there. You know, I mean, no matter how much trouble I got into, I was always praying. And I knew that, that Christ was alive. And, and I knew that Somehow or another, he had my back, and I fought with Christ a lot. There was a lot of times of, you know, Jesus, why are you doing this? You know, why, why does my life have to be this way? You know, it's like, even when I got to the point of being disabled later on, it's like, you know, if you can part the Red Sea, how come you can't fix my spine? And uh, it's been a lot of years fighting with Christ. He never fought back, you know, which was really irritating. But for some reason, somehow, you know, I stayed faithful. You know, I'd get to the point where I would be broken and I would be driven to my knees, but it was never in anger that I called to Christ. It was always, okay, you know what, I'm done. Now tell me what you want me to do. I was raised in, in a church-going family, <clears throat> but never felt a connection to God. I prayed. I knew there was a God. I knew that I needed to trust God. I knew that he would never leave me, um, but that was, I knew that all in my head. I never had a, a connection. And really my connection began with Tom because he had something that I, I didn't get and I didn't understand and I wanted that. And I would pray, but I would always pray and tell God what to do. It was always, dear God, please fix this. Uh, dear God, if you take care of this, I'll never do this again. Um, those were the kind of prayers I was doing. And it was pointed out to me that I need to pray for God's will. I need to pray for him to provide me with peace and comfort. I, I don't need to give him directions because he knows exactly what to do. And when my prayer changed, my life began to change. And somewhere in there is when Tom gave me Jesus calling. It was in that time period, I can't tell you exactly when, but that book has been a part of me. When, when COVID-19 hit, uh, we had really, we didn't know what to do, we were afraid. It, it was like, you know, where do we fall? What do we think? What do we do? And the thought that just kept coming to me was, what a wonderful opportunity for us as Christians that God gave us this chance to fight the spiritual battle. I just kept coming up with more and more ideas. And I realized that I wasn't a man of action. That was a guy of ideas. And my job has always been, I'll give you the ideas, now you go take it and run. And I needed to become a man of action. I needed to put these ideas to work myself you know, uh, and quit expecting other people to pick up the ball and run with it. And uh, that, that's really how things got started, I, you know. Initially, uh, we kind of looked at each other when all this started, um, and we weren't sure how we, the two of us were going to survive with, you know, when they put everything on lockdown, you know, how the two of us were going to survive, you know, alone. 
um, around the clock 24-7 for an indefinite period. And I remember saying to Tom, ah, you know, 30 days, we can handle it. Well, it's been a lot of 30 days and um, so much cool stuff has happened in 30 days. That's the beauty of it. So um, I began to just pray for some comfort and some peace and praying about what can we do just to retired people with pre-existing health conditions. So he gets the ideas and um, we started running with them. Our concerns, we, a lot of the ideas that he came up with were things that we thought we could do as just two people and keep ourselves safe. That was, yeah, that was the biggest thing was how do we, how can we help and be safe? Every Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, we would drag out our speakers. Oh, prior to Sunday, we would sit for a couple hours and pick out music, make a playlist um, for 30 to 40 minutes. We'd drag everything outside and put out a notice that we were doing praise music at one o'clock. And we would just blast the music like we were teenagers, you know. And we live on a pond, so the sound carries. And um, sometimes people came, sometimes people didn't come. But we played it regardless, and we started that, and so it was a way to bring Christ to the community. And then from that, we did a food drive for our community. The, the community had done a, a park and pray at the hospitals in the area, and, and we live in kind of a country county, and there's, there's three hospitals, really. We went to that, and we were kind of moved by that and thought that was pretty terrific. It was like, you know what? In America, we're really good at doing one and done. You know, we're really good at the big event, okay? But the reality is that these people are going to work every day. And uh, they were having to be the preachers and the moms and the dads. You know, nobody's allowed in. Uh, they're having to be absolutely everything, and they're stepping up and doing it. And so we started doing the bagels. And uh, I said, you know, we can do this, but, you know, we, we, we can't do it just one time. We need to do it every week. And so we, we, it took a lot of phone calls and, you know, people to talk to because there were requirements. You know, we had to have a mask. We weren't allowed in the hospitals. Um, social distance. Social distance. We had to call ahead of time and tell them when we were coming. And We get the bagels from, you know, one of the big bagel companies. And, and that's a curbside pickup. Yeah. The, the deliveries are made outside on the sidewalk. And with the bagels, too, we um, always write um, a note of encouragement, a note of, of thanks, encouragement. We sometimes put a Bible verse in there. And um, we have had commitments from several local churches, which has really been a blessing. We were delivering bagels one morning, and we were talking with um, the gals at the big hospital. And um, they shared with us that they had uh, just... Um, brought in 50 FEMA nurses to care for the COVID patients. Because um, their people were so tired and yeah. worn out. And it was that information that stirred, again, the information guy, Tom, to the idea of praying outside of the hospital. And so he asked if that would be okay. And um, I think they were kind of surprised um, because we weren't talking about another big park and pray with cars of people. He was talking about just the two of us sitting outside the hospital somewhere 
um, and just praying for, you know, the, the people um, that were working there, all of the staff, um, the patients that were in the hospital, um, the families of the patients. It, it was, we, we didn't know anybody at the hospital. We didn't know anybody in that particular hospital. It was just his idea that, you know, maybe something visual on a regular basis and so that people know um, that there's people praying for him. And so <laughs> from that, uh, we started going to the hospital. It just really hit me that, that we, these people needed to see something consistent. You know, I mean, the, the biggest thing for me in my life has been the consistency of Christ, okay? Is he has consistently been there. No matter what I've done, where I've been or anything, he's been there. And they needed to know that they had that too, okay? And if it was just two goofballs, you know, a guy that hadn't had a haircut in seven months, and, uh, you know, his wife sitting there with a sign that says praying on a couple of lawn chairs, that's what we would do. And, and, and we went there. The, the first night feeling completely inadequate, okay? Uh, or we were always what I would refer to as the cut a check Christians, okay? If there was a fundraiser or Guatemalan missionary or something like that, you know, cut them a check, you know, and we'd walk out and we'd feel good about ourselves. And we, we weren't ones to go and ask somebody if they'd like to pray, okay? Oh. We would pray for somebody, you know, in the quiet of our own home, but we would never pray with people. Out loud. Out loud, you know, yeah. boldly, you know. <laughs> there was some, you know, definite, you know, anxiety there about whether we were really going to be able to pull this off. We, we went there at shift change, and we figured we would be, you know, telling people thank you, you know, for their hard work. And, you know, if anybody wanted to pray or anything, we would pray with them or take their name and pray later. And as we're sitting there, we watched three or four ambulances come in. We watched people having trouble going into the emergency room. We watch pregnant ladies going in to have their babies. And off to the left, we watch a morgue van picking up bodies. Funeral car. A funeral car. So we had all of that in two hours. And then there was a man with, screaming through a window, trying to talk to his wife who had just had a stroke because he wasn't allowed in to be with her. So it was kind of like, guys like, okay, if you want to do this, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. And, and we walked out after that more convicted than ever, to be quite honest with you. Scared to death still. But the word wow just kept coming out of our mouth. It was so emotionally charged and so powerful. Um, the need for this to happen um, was loud and clear. And we both felt really, really inadequate because, you know, we're just two people. What can we do? You know, and, and, you know, we weren't chasing people down in the parking lot. We just sat in a little designated spot. And as, as we saw things, we would look at each other and we would pray. And so we had to do it again and again and again. And that's what we've been doing. I'm going to try and read without crying a passage from Jesus Calling, dated January 11th. It says, Trust me by relinquishing control into my hands. Let go and recognize that I am God. This is my world. I made it and I control it. Yours is a responsive part in the litany of love. 
I search among my children for receptivity to me. Guard well this gift that I have planted in your heart. Nurture it with the light of my presence. When you bring me prayer requests, lay out your concerns before me. Speak to me candidly. Pour out your heart and then thank me for the answers that I have set into motion long before you can discern results. When your requests come to mind again, continue to thank me for the answers that are on the way. If you keep on stating your concerns to me, you will live in a state of tension. When you thank me for how I am answering your prayers, your mindset becomes much more positive. Thankful prayers keep your focus on my presence and my promises. You know what? We'll keep suiting up and we'll keep showing up and, and keep doing what we got to do. And, and, and I pray to God that some more ideas come. And, and I, I just hope that the Christian population realizes that we've got warriors in these hospitals. I mean, these guys are warriors, man. I mean, they are suiting up and showing up every day. You know, like I said earlier, being the mothers and the fathers and the daughters, and, you know, we need to strengthen these folks. We need to help them any way that we can. You know, this has stirred, stirred both of us, um, and we'll just keep on going. You know, what wherever, wherever there's a need. Thanks to Tom and Pam for sharing their story, inspiring us all to help wherever we can. If you'd like to hear more stories about bringing your gifts and services to others, check out our interview with country music artist Ray Lynn. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we talk with professional skateboard champion Ryan Sheckler. Becoming a skateboard professional at just 13 years old, Ryan found himself thrown into a lifestyle of drugs and partying that left him addicted to alcohol as he searched to fill an emptiness in his life. At age 25, Ryan checked into rehab, and when he got a call from a friend who confessed he'd struggled himself with addiction, Ryan realized he wasn't alone. Five days after being there, I got a call from Michael Phelps. He was a friend, and he was very proud of me for being in there and he sent me another copy of Jesus Calling and explained to me how he went through similar similar things. And in my mind, I'm like, this is Captain America, like, this is Aquaman, like, this guy went, this guy went through what I'm going through? And then it clicked. I'm like, oh, none of us are alone in this world. Like, we are not alone. And we're supposed to go through this pain to be able to teach this lesson. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Jesus Calling Book, on Facebook, and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.